Welcome to it. Happy the ninth day of March, twenty twenty-six. No, twenty twenty-three. Good Lord, I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Show. You see, I'm just having. I don't even know what the hell year it is, but I'm seeing into the future. Apparently, uh, get to it really quickly. I'll be back tomorrow with something, something new, some new show. Um, but in the meantime, we have the opposite or the uh, second half. Of me filling in for Rush Limbaugh back in 2020, I think we determined that it is. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for Rush Limbaugh, Derek Hunter. Still get the chills, man. Still get the chills to hear that. I am Derek Hunter sitting in for Rush Limbaugh, who will be back here on Monday. Fear not. Welcome to the program. It's Open Line Friday, 800-282-2882. Is the telephone number to try and sneak one past the goalie, Bo Snurdly, today. We are joined now by Pennsylvania State Representative, representing the 86th Legislative District up there in Pennsylvania, Greg Rothman. Congressman Rothman, how are you? I'm well, Derek. How are you? I'm doing well, and I just, uh, I, the basic question, what the hell's going on up there in Pennsylvania? Um, yeah, it's... You had a big hearing there. You participated in this hearing on Wednesday. And one of the things that stuck out to me as I'm listening to this Wednesday afternoon was the testimony from Greg Stenstrom, who is a Navy veteran and a forensic computer scientist guy. He was an election observer for the Republicans. Before we get into your response to this. I want to play a clip for you and and get your reaction to it because uh, no matter what happens in this election, things got to change there in Pennsylvania. It's a cut 10. Go ahead. What we saw there, what I saw there was a chain of custody in all cases that was broken. It was broken for the mail-in ballots, the Dropbox ballots, the Election Day USBV card flash drives. In all cases, the chain of custody and the procedures that were defined by the Delaware County Board of Elections and election process review were all, they didn't follow one. I, I, I couldn't even redline this multi-page document because the entire document would be, uh, they didn't follow any of the procedures. Congressman Rothman, how is it possible for one county to is it that incompetent? Is it that corrupt? How does one county not just get it wrong? There's always going to be errors around the edges. That's what being human is. But to get everything completely wrong, how does that happen? Well, and, you know, we saw it's indisputable uh, that we saw in both Philadelphia County and Allegheny County that hundreds of thousands of votes were counted without any observation, without the other side being able to observe. Um so why, um, you know, that's that's the question we're trying to get at. But um, it's uh, we, the, the law that we passed back in October of 2019, Act 77, which would allow, ready for this, no excuse absentee ballot voting, mm-hmm. uh, turned into a uh, mail-in uh, ballot mail-in voting campaign that was um, changed numerous times. Uh, it was created whole cloth by the Supreme Court in the state, wasn't it? 
Yeah, they, they added things like that uh, ballots could receive three days after the election, that verification of signatures wasn't required. Uh, the, the Department of State created regulations that flew in the face of what the law said, including drop boxes where you could just drop your ballots off. Um, so all those things are indisputable. The question is whether or not those played a role in uh, Vice President Biden uh, winning the election in Pennsylvania. And there are a number of us in the legislature that are trying to get the answer to that. And, by the way, we're not um, – and we're not alleging anything. We, we're, we're listening to testimony. And in 2016, the same governor and the same administration in Pennsylvania waited until December 12th to certify our election. What is the urgency of, of certifying our election on November 24th this time? And well, the difference is if you certify it, then you have to officially legally challenge it. If you don't certify it, then you can possibly have a, po- a better chance of, of changing the results. Congressman Rothman, another clip from Gregory Stenstrom. I want to to skip to cut 12 here because this one, this one is bizarre to me. You were in the room and it seems to me that there was, or at least should have been an audible gasp when this happened under oath and testimony. Cut 12, go ahead. What I observed in the locked room in the back office was 70,000 unopened mail-in ballots. They were in boxes of 500 stacked in neatly. The gentleman that came in with me is a, was a Demo, uh, Democrat poll watcher, is a forensic pathologist, a very detailed, very dedicated man, and he took meticulous notes as well. And I verified with him, are you seeing what I'm seeing? We both agreed as GOP poll watchers and a Democrat poll watcher that we had uh, witnessed 70, 60 to 70,000. We had a little bit of a disagreement there. The problem with that was by that time, the mail-in ballots had already been counted. So 120,000 mail-in ballots had already been counted, posted, and done. So my question is, where do the 70,000 ballots go? Do we know, and nobody Congressman knows. Rothman? Do we know what was going on there? We do not know, and uh, our our state government committee requested that the Secretary of State, uh, the Democratic appointee, come in and answer questions. She refused. Um, that same committee invited Dominion voting systems machines that uh, are in 14 of our counties in to uh, answer questions of our committee. Uh, at the last minute, they canceled. Uh, that, that's, that's the concern of many of the Republicans in the legislature, that We'd like answers. And I, I would think that anybody who loves democracy and cares about this country on either side of the aisle would want to make sure that nothing that, you know, that this this election was was legitimate. Why, you why would not? think that. But why not? Everybody wants to make sure the World Series is legitimate. But a couple of years ago, you know, now Astros fans don't fan. care all that much. Yeah, I'm a Dodger fan. I know. It's, yeah. This is bigger than that. Right. I mean, yes, there isn't a next year. And we're talking about elections in our country because, uh, frankly, if we allow this to happen without investigating it, it just encourages bad actors in future elections or in an election in Georgia in early January. Is there any bipartisan, now Republicans control the state house in Pennsylvania, but is there any Democrat reaching out to you even privately saying, look, when the spotlight dies down, I'd get crucified by my own party if I come out now, but when the spotlight dies down, yeah, I agree. We have to make some changes here. Uh, I have not heard from any, and that, it doesn't mean there aren't good people in the party. I just haven't heard from other members have told me they have. Um, but but we're all concerned because the elections 
you know, that's, that's the most important thing we do. Um, it's how we choose our leaders. And whether it's uh, president or, or state representative or anywhere in between, um, we have to make sure we get it right. And the voters depend on that. We, we are a nation of uh, the consent of the governed, right? And so mm-hmm. if, if they're not able to choose the leaders they want, um, they're going to question the legitimacy of the government. So that's that's why this is so important that we get it right. And what's the rest? You know, our the the Democrats and the left held rallies the day after our election, saying count every vote, count every vote. Uh, and then as soon as Vice President Biden took the lead, they stopped talking about the vote. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Al Gore's playbook in Florida in 2000. Keep counting until I get ahead. It, it got Al Franken in the Senate. My guest is Congressman Greg Rothman from Pennsylvania. Now, Congressman, what can you tell? What what as you watched all of this unfold in person, and you know the players involved, you know the party machines involved, you grew up in this. What bothered you the most? What what did what was the biggest red flag for you? D- democracy dies in darkness, right? Isn't that what the New York Times says? They, mm, no, that's the post. The observers, or the, you know, the fact that observers from both cam- either campaigns or both parties were not allowed to observe the counting. I mean, that that to me is um, the most dangerous thing. I, I've lost plenty of elections uh, that I supported candidates to lose. That happens. We, we all know about that. But the idea that you can um, have ballots counted without, and when you have mail-in voting, it's different. It's not like you're looking at the machine. I mean, that, that hundreds of thousands of votes were counted without anybody being able to observe is is very concerning to me. And we heard that from both ends of the state, from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. And you have a room, apparently, with at least 70,000. 120,000 square foot warehouse, convention center. I mean, I think about 120,000 square feet. That's uh, and, and to be able to, you know, be 200 feet away or 20 feet away. I mean, I can't read something that's, that's 10 feet away. So, um observing means something and, and we know it's it, that's not in dispute that the democratic control uh, counties would not allow republicans to observe the count as you you describe this situation as the audio we played a lot of people are sitting there going that that sounds really messed up why where are the courts now in pennsylvania you have a democrat dominated supreme court talk a little bit about what they have done to show their cards as less uh, judges and more activists. Yeah, well, they're, they're in Pennsylvania, you elect judges. So these are partisan Democrats that ran campaigns. Uh, one of them even ran on a campaign talking about how we need to change our our uh, our, our districts and our maps, um, which generally is only done every uh, 10 years, uh, and then went and voted on changing the maps. And instead of allowing the legislature to do it, the, the Democratic-controlled Supreme Court wrote their own maps, which changed our congressional elections. So, they lost how many Republican seats in that redistricting I, by I, the I think I think we lost five at that point. Which so, is crazy. Yeah, and, and, and gave Nancy Pelosi control of Congress. So, um, and now we're in an even number of nine and nine. But uh, this, this is a very partisan court. Uh, they upheld everything, that every draconian measure that our Democratic governor instituted during COVID including a rule the other day that on Wednesday nights at 5 p.m., bars could no longer serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. They could still be in the bars. They could still be eating. They could still drink soda, but they weren't allowed to serve alcohol. And on many of these things, we appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled that the governor had that authority, which he doesn't, uh, and that the Secretary of State has, or Secretary of Health has authority that they don't. And now the Secretary of State in the election, the courts have given her authorities that, that we don't believe are in the law. So they're of no help. How often are the the staggered elections of how many are up each cycle for the Supreme Court? How long is the term? 
Uh, I, it goes to a certain age, so um, there, there will be, maybe you serve, I think it's a 10-year and you have retentions. Um, but we, we are going to have at least one coming up. Because um, it seems like you have to change the court in order to change the state and the legislature. And even if you change the governor's mansion, they're there to just say, not interested, liberal policies go forward. That's right. The courts are just as important, uh, and, and maybe more so in this case. Congressman, Greg, Representative Greg Rothman of Pennsylvania, thank you for letting us interrupt your uh, your Thanksgiving weekend. Not like there was super good news coming out of there, but we got to know because we got to know where to fight and how to fight. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you, Eric, and don't give up. No, never, give up. never. It's a checkpoint, not an end. Keep your elbows yep. sharp and up. You're listening to the Rush Limbaugh Show on the EIB Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to the EIB Network. Pet Shop Boys. Welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I'm Derek Hunter sitting in. It's Open Line Friday, 800-282-2882. You people are very, very kind uh, to hold. And I will do my best to get to all of you. We go back to the phones because it is Open Line Friday. We start up in Burlington, Vermont with Paul. Thank you for holding, Paul. Hey, Derek. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to um, well, agree with your point that I don't think 80 million Americans looked at Joe Biden and said, we want him. I'm sensing what happened was, I think 80 million Americans looked at President Trump and said, we don't want him. So that, I think, explains the outcome of the deal. Do you really think that many, though? Because I I could buy some of it. I'd buy five million. I bet it. You know, that's fine. President Trump is one thing. President Trump does not inspire is indifference, Paul. So I'll I'll give you that. But 15 million, 80 million people. More than Barack Obama, by double digit, by you know, ten million or more, said, "I gotta go against him." There, we didn't see that kind of bump against Obama from Republicans. It just there's a bump, but not that big of a bump. There was more of a drop in his support from '08 to '12. Do you really think that 80 million people went, "I gotta get rid of this guy"? Because what? Let me ask you this. I assume you're up in Vermont. You got Bernie Sanders up there, and you're putting this forward. Were you one of those 80 million people who said, "I got to vote against this guy"? I, um, I was. Okay, we're all friends here. It's fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, what did Donald Trump do that so upset you that you said, "I've got to get rid of this guy"? Well, I didn't vote for him last time either. Okay, but Um, you you see, you you skipped to the. Let's just say you skipped to the polls this time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there, there's a number of things. I think uh, some some of the norms that you talked about earlier clearly upset some people. But uh, when I, I talked think... about those, we'll go by one one by one. But uh, when I said those norms, those norms were not destroyed by Donald Trump. He didn't come out and start calling everybody Hitler. And that's no, no, kind no. of an important norm that was destroyed no, long but... before Donald Trump came down the escalator. But I think to refer to the press as the enemy of the people, I think, is 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 unsettling. I think it's important that we have. But you acknowledge, yeah, he said the press is the enemy of the people. He actually said fake news is the enemy of the people. Mm -hmm. But he did nothing about it. For all the pearl clutching over, oh, he's a threat to the First Amendment, he didn't do anything to the press. He didn't push any legislation. He didn't sign any executive orders that had to be overturned for violating the First Amendment. While Barack Obama actually spied on 20 
Associated Press reporters' phones. He actually went through James Rosen at Fox News's parents' email to find sources. So it, saying something is one thing. Yeah, the sticks and, but the sticks and stones doctrine compared to Obama, who did something. Why didn't it bother you that Obama did something? Why did it bother you so much that just Donald Trump called him the fake news enemy of the people? Well, Donald Trump wasn't running against Barack Obama. No, I understand that, but uh, yeah. did you did you vote for Mitt Romney in 2012? I did not. I did not. I'm, I'm like you said, I'm in Vermont, a Bernie Sanders. It's okay, um, it, Paul, it's a perfectly acceptable yeah. answer to say, of course it it's is. my team, I don't care. It's it's an honest answer. I grew up loving the Red Wings, and I hated Chris Chelios. He's a hell of a defenseman for the Chicago Blackhawks. Hated him because he was so good. Then he became a Red Wing, and I loved him. I get it. It's the, the my team philosophy. It's okay to give that answer. Yeah. No, I think I think for a lot of people, well, again, I can speak for myself. I think for me it started with Donald Trump's racist birther movement, which mm-hmm. which to me was was racism plain and simple. And clearly again going back to, you know, these 25 some odd women that accused him of sexual Assault. Those are some, I mean, I I just have a real problem with that. I think I think um, it's a. So you voted for Joe Biden, right? Yeah, but you know, I don't think anybody accused Joe Biden of quite what Donald Trump was. Did you buy Tara Reid's book? She's got a book. She's the one who accused him of of what would constitute a definition, legal definition of rape, but definitely yeah, sexual no. assault. And I she actually had her. contemporaneous evidence at the yeah. time. There's also uh, allegedly a report she filed in the Senate at the time back in 1993 that is sealed in the University of Delaware in Biden's papers that he would not any, allow anybody to look at. Did that give you a pause at all, Paul? Well, yeah, I certainly didn't understand why those records weren't opened up. You know, I mean, they're in a library. It seems to me that they should be open. But but again, I, I, I think you the, couldn't maybe guess why. Well, I mean, why hasn't Donald Trump released his taxes? Can we guess? Well, why? It's, it's okay. I mean, Look, you no, don't I mean, have to do what aboutism. You can say it's yeah. my team. I, I, I care yeah. more. Well, yeah, no, it is. It is clearly. Okay, it is. That's, yeah. see, that's perfectly fair. It's, I, I don't agree with it, but you, it's perfectly yeah. fair that you okay. say it. I'm not going to judge you for saying it. I appreciate the honesty. We're literally up against the clock, Paul. I spent a lot of time with you. I appreciate it. We had a civil conversation. Nobody called anybody a Nazi even though you probably are. No, I'm just kidding. You're listening to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I'm Derek Hunter sitting in. We'll be right back. You're listening to the EIB Network. Welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I am Derek Hunter filling the seat, doing the best I can for Rush while he enjoys the holiday weekend. He will be back here on Monday. So uh, fear not. You shall not have to hear my nasally drone on Monday. Uh, we'll get to more of your phone calls. It is Open Line Friday, plus a bunch more news coming up. Today, sitting in for Rush, a noted author who's also a senior columnist for townhall.com. He's the host of his own show on WCBM in Baltimore. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Hunter. Oh, hour three. Where did hour one and two go? I am Derek Hunter. Johnny Donovan was right. 
Thanks. That's just a thrill to hear that and hear that music. My my city was gone. I am Derek Hunter. I'm the host of the uh, Derek Hunter Show and the Derek Hunter Podcast and uh, author of the book Outrage Incorporated. Just a thrill to be here on Open Line Friday, the number 800-282-2882. The man himself, I can't thank him enough, will be back here on Monday, so fear not. Just to uh, put a fine point on what we were talking about at the end of the hour going on in Pennsylvania, just want to point this out. Just, again, asking questions. Doesn't seem to be any problem with ask. Well, the left hates being questioned about anything, but as Americans, My friends, to this Thanksgiving free to ask questions. I'm going to give you just some numbers. Not a lot of numbers, because I know numbers don't go over well on the radio, but from six counties in Pennsylvania, having to be controlled by Democrats, uh, Philadelphia, Montgomery, Delaware, Chester, Bucks, and Allegheny. Joe Biden's campaign, he managed to surpass Barack Obama's vote totals by a total of 268,000 votes in those six counties up in Pennsylvania. That's three times the current, air quote, victory margin for Joe Biden in the state of Pennsylvania of 81,660 votes. Now, Trump won this state in 2016. I'm not saying it's impossible that everybody who was excited about Barack Obama in 2008 got really doubly excited and dragged friends and neighbors to the polls. I'm just saying, that seems a little unlikely. I get, I understood the, the excitement around Barack Obama in 2008 from Democrats, from the left, and from people who weren't politically engaged or didn't have any idea what the guy actually stood for or wanted to do. I could understand. You just look at it and you go, this is super exciting. He's really cool and he's the first black guy, blah, blah, blah. I got all that. Joe Biden is like, hey, it's it's the weird grandpa that you reluctantly visit at Easter. Like, uh, nobody's excited about that. Creepy guy telling stories about young kids petting his leg hair and throwdowns with corn pop in a parking lot. Well, he's a lifeguard at a pool, and somebody says, more of that, please. I I came for the whimsical, rambling, pointless stories. I stayed for the decades of casual racism. I must vote for this guy. I'm sorry. I I just need to see some. You know, you, you go out on a golf course and you, you tell me you, you shot a 60. Okay, great. Your scorecard is nice, but I'm going to talk to the other people in your foursome. I got to know how that happened. That's just me. Uh, and other news over the last couple of days. There was on uh, Wednesday, there was a big victory, late Wednesday. Uh, I believe it is late Wednesday. A big decision out of the Supreme Court for religious liberty, which anybody who sits there and says Donald Trump's tweets, mean tweets uh, about the press, it's a threat to our democracy. It's a horrible, horrible thing. He Did you see that he tweeted out a meme of him wrestling the CNN logo? <gasps> How are we going to deal with this? And Brian Stelter, the human weeble over there, wobbling and not falling down, but crying silently to himself, going, this is a threat to democracy. Well, the threats to religious freedom are, because, by the way, Donald Trump did nothing about the press. By the way, he can't do anything, the First Amendment. He respects the First Amendment. The left doesn't respect the First Amendment. They don't respect really any of the amendments, particularly the second. They wrap themselves in the first while wiping themselves with the second. They 
uh, look at only part of the first, the part that has to do with the press. They're not so f- much a fan of, oh, they like the gatherings, depending on what it's for, the right to uh, peaceably assemble. They love that as long as it's, it doesn't even have to be peaceably. It can be full-blown riots. And you'll have Ali Velshi standing in front of the roasting weenies on a burning tire store going, it's mostly peaceful, don't pay any attention to this fire. But if people get together and say, we want to not be locked in our houses, we'd like to be able to make a living again, we can uh, resume life safely again, get out of our way, government. No, they don't like those peaceable, the actual peaceable assembly. They said, did you see they're carrying guns? Yeah. How many people got shot at those? None. How many people got killed and chop up in Seattle? Two. So if you're keeping score, I'd say, and that's just one of the riots, uh, I'm pretty sure that the side of pro-freedom has a lower body count at zero. But uh, the religious liberty aspect of the First Amendment is another part of the Constitution and the First Amendment that the left despises. They don't like religion. Their their religion is God, or is government, and their God is climate change. And they, that's all they, they're interested in. And anything that distracts from that, you know, think about Mount Olympus. None of the gods liked any of the other gods because they all wanted to be up on top. Leftists don't like competition, even from God, to their concept of God. So you had all these states imposing restrictions on believers in various states across the country. The Supreme Court in the past has kind of let it slide, four to four generally. And four to four decisions, uh, or five to four when Darth Vader Ginsburg was alive, they, uh, they were winning. Yes, government can restrict the number of people churches have. They can close churches if they want. Well, a case out of New York went back to the Supreme Court. Only this is a different Supreme Court. This Supreme Court has Justice Amy Coney Barrett sitting on it. And in a 5-4 ruling yesterday, I guess it was, Thanksgiving Day, the Supreme Court issued an injunction blocking New York from enforcing a 10 to 25 person occupancy limit on religious institutions. This is a huge win for religious liberty, for the Constitution. Everybody gets it. Nobody's out there running around saying COVID is a myth, COVID is this, COVID is that. But if you have a large facility and and religious people, faithful people want to attend a service and they socially distance, they take care of everything else. We're told, if you can't socially distance, wear a mask. We're told mask saves lives. So if you're wearing a mask, what's the problem? We're also told mask saves lives. You must, you must wear a mask while the very same people telling us that are releasing people from prison because it's unsafe because of COVID, which I would say, give them a mask. Should be problem solved, right? You tell us, wear a mask, mask saves lives. How about you just give the prisoners masks? Seems like a way to not let rapists out of prison. I'm all in favor of that. But uh, nobody ever asked those questions because we'd have to have an honest media about it. But this Supreme Court decision reaffirming the right of the people to have freedom of religion was not met well by our leftist friends. Ben Rhodes, remember him? He was the national security advisor under uh, Barack Obama, failed novelist, 
He, he majored in like creative writing, got his master's degree in creative writing. And by the time you graduate college, you should just be able to write. But if you got to go back for three more years of study, hey, man, whatever. He probably really only got his job because his brother ran CBS News. But he was up there, and now he's an MSNBC contributor because why not? Liberals fail up, and they fail into uh, into high-paying jobs. He tweeted out upon the news of the Supreme Court decision, quote, the new illegitimate five to four SCOTUS majority overturning a policy to put more lives in danger. Well, what happened to freedom of choice? What happened to (laughs) that? They're only they're not really into freedom of choice. One thing in one area only everything else they want to restrict. Now, in dissent, this is kind of funny, and this lets you know where the liberals on the court were coming from. Justice Sonia Sotomayor added the first footnote, the first page. This is her first footnote. Quote, ironically, due to the success of New York's public health measures, the diocese is no longer subject to the numerical caps on attendance it seeks to enjoin. See, brief, blah, blah, blah. Yet the court grants this application to ensure that should infection rates rise once again, the governor will be unable to re-implement the very measures that have proven so successful at allowing the free and comparatively safe exercise of religion in New York. Um, She's praising Andrew Cuomo. Governor Andrew Cuomo oversaw more deaths than most countries. Governor Andrew Cuomo's order for nursing homes killed 10 to 20,000. We don't even know how many because they, they changed the way they counted things. It's really kind of a nice little shell game. The Cuomo's up there, and it really are like those guys playing three-card Monty in Times Square late at night, constantly talking so you don't notice what their hands are doing. Andrew Cuomo issued the executive order on nursing homes, and two months later, he rescinded it. Two months later, then on his book tour, said, I didn't, we never actually used that. Well, you did, actually. People acted accordingly, in accordance with the law, Governor. But it took him two months to rescind it after thousands of deaths. took him two months to order the subways to be sterilized every night. The subways. Petri dishes on wheels. What? Why didn't it occur to you that a pandemic might spread in a tuna can on wheels underground? Poor ventilation. But uh, Andrew Cuomo denied all of it. I can understand the, lash, the, the rationalization behind the nursing home order. When you think your hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, you sign this and said, well, people in nursing home, they have some medical care there, so we can maybe not clutter up some beds with them. They'll get the same kind of medical care we can give them in a hospital. I don't understand it taking two months of not going to capacity, of not needing the comfort station in New York Harbor that never filled up. Never got any COVID patients, I don't think, or the makeshift hospitals they constructed in in Central Park. Never got patients. So he preemptively ordered seniors to their death on the off chance, maybe even the prospect, that the hospitals are going to be overrun. But they weren't, and it took him two months to do that. But thank God for a conservative Supreme Court. If you want to practice your religion, you are now free to do so in New York. Now, Justice Roberts sided with the liberals, which I hope you were sitting down, because actually nobody's surprised by that. 
the liberals were very upset. New York Times reporter Elizabeth Williamson. This is how an unbiased reporter, she's a, a New York Times reporter, don't you see? She tweeted out upon hearing the news, quote, Holiday service super spreaders brought to you in part by the Catholic Church, which got the Supreme Court it wanted just in time for Christmas. Sounds like she's really fair and open and willing to hear people out, doesn't it? Doesn't it? No, not at all. But this is who the left is. They show us who they are. They really do show us who they are. All we have to do is look. All we have to do is listen. Meanwhile, people are actually suffering from these lockdowns. There's a study out of uh, Virginia last week that showed that the number of Fs students were getting doubled, more than doubled. Special needs kids more than tripled. It's been a disaster, this distance learning. But the teachers' unions love it. Teachers' unions love it. Remember when L.A. teachers' unions said, we're not coming back until you do this, that, and the other thing, ensure our safety, and defund the police, which are sitting there going, what the hell does that have to do with anything? It doesn't. It's just liberals will parasitically glom on any one of their little Christmas tree ornaments onto their, their wish list of things. Then we've got this. Out of the Washington Post, virtual schooling has largely forced moms, not dads, to quit work. It will hurt the economy for years. More than two million women dropped out of the labor force as of October. The percent of American women working is the lowest since 1988. You would think Democrats, the party of women, would be a little bit concerned by this and the dilemma that families face. You would be wrong. Nancy Pelosi, she did not push through her progressive wing and say, okay, we're not going to get Republicans to agree to bail out cities and states who spent irresponsibly just yet. But we can help people. Women are suffering. We're supposed to be the party of women. I'm a woman. And Nancy Pelosi's voice, because I am not. I don't even identify as one. But she didn't. She lets it go. These women suffering, described by the Washington Post, which goes through, you know, you got to find child care, you got to find all these things. Now that the kids are at home, every every parent at home knows this. Every parent at home knows the perils of distance learning, and know should know that Nancy Pelosi is looking at that and saying, "Oh, how can I use this to my advantage?" Which is really kind of sick if you think about it. Party of women, the party of people, the party of children, the children, it's for the children. Every other day you hear some Democrats screaming about, what about the children? We must do this for the children. What are they doing to the children? Thank God children don't get impacted dramatically by COVID-19, the exact opposite of the Spanish flu in 1918. Thank God for that. But what are we doing? We're looking at kids who are not going to be able to make up this time. We're looking at parents who are not going to be able to make up this time in earnings. The children are going to have to be held back for at least a year. At least a year. And then since not only did they not advance, they've atrophied. It might even be more than a year. Or it would be worse. I mean, I don't even know which is worse. The hold everybody back a year or just say, well, we're going to push everybody forward. You can decide. All of this while... Democrats insist on bailouts for local governments that overspent and underdelivered 
trying to bail out state pensions that they overpromised on and spent the money on. The state of Illinois gives lottery winners IOUs. They're so far gone. Ready to fund that? I'm going to take a pass on that. This is Open Line Friday. I am Derek Hunter sitting in for the great Rush Limbaugh, the number 800-282-2882. We will get to your phone calls when we get back. Welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I am Derek Hunter here on the EIB Network. It's Open Line Friday, 800-282-2882. Let's talk to Paul in Lewiston, Maine. Thank you for holding, Paul. You've been very patient. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, Derek. Great job reporting here. Thank you. Um, I, I've been a fan of yours for years, reading you on Town Hall. You know? mm. and um, I've, You're the one. Thank you. Well, you knock the you knock the ball right out of the park. Uh, it's getting to the point now where I don't read the others. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them a click every now and then, Paul, just to be nice. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm I'm a self-employed builder. I've I've been building for forty years. I know what it's like to do roofing. Mm-hmm. I understand that part of your your bio was that you did some roofing for a while. I did uh, two summers of roofing. Actually, one eight month stint. <laughs> I also did some construction, some concrete work too, and yeah. an electrician's assistant, which was mostly digging ditches and blowing wire through tubes. <clears throat> well, you know, I would attribute uh, your skill as a writer to being a good roofer. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, there's so much time to think, and it makes you ugly, you know. Roofing makes it make you ugly. It makes you filthy. I still have my red wing boots covered in that 800-degree tar, and I still have some scars on my legs from it. That is amazing. It's really amazing. So we've got a lot in common. I chaired the Ron Paul campaign in 2012 here in Maine, mm-hmm. um, and I've had my feet on the ground, and I I network well with the grassroots. Um, I... Um, I passed on your articles to a lot of other people. People are tuning in, so you might want to keep that point, the point of that pencil sharp again, <laughs> continue writing as well as you do. Um, well, thank the, you. Uh, I, I wanted to say that was uh, it was a great ruling yesterday, and, of course, Cuomo didn't take much time to do damage control. He said that the... Uh, uh, the decision was irrelevant. They blast. Well, the the way they tried to do it, and this is what Roberts fell for, is right two days before the court was to rule, we get to hear the case. The court, uh, the state said, we're going to lift the restrictions now. Right. And try to say, well, there's nothing to rule on. We're not oppressing anybody. But that would just mean that they could slap them back on, wait for the appeal to get up to the Supreme Court, pull it back off again, and play that little shell game. Yeah. And that's what Gors- Gorsuch actually blasted Ju- Chief Justice Roberts for, because Roberts yeah. said, we're right on the merits, but there's really no harm here since the, the things have been pulled back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's manipulation. It's like filing suits yeah. in 15 different yeah. places across the country. It's judge shopping kind of way. It, it's, a, it's predictable, you know. It um, is. Paul, I, I hate to cut you off because you've been so kind, but you made me embarrassed, and we're up against the clock. Enjoy some lobster up there. Say hi to my friend Garrett if you run into him. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Rush Limbaugh Show. We'll be right back. And now, back to Derek Hunter, filling in for Rush on the EIB Network. Really is Derek Hunter, filling in for Rush. Hi, Dad. Dad listening up in northern Michigan. 
Uh, a couple. We'll get to more of your phone calls. I promise. It is open line Friday, but uh, my mouth does have a lot of uh, things to get out of it. I want to talk a little bit about the pardon of General Flynn, Judge Sullivan. It's really just been a disgrace to the bench, bench in dragging his feet on dropping charges against General Michael Flynn for the, the crime of allegedly lying to FBI agents when the first pass of those FBI agents said he didn't lie to us. They also had the transcript. The only reason to go and talk to Michael Flynn was in the hopes that he said something they could contort into a lie. It was part of they got to get something. The left, the one thing the left has spent doing consistently throughout the Trump years is trying to claim scalps. That's it. They don't care. You know, you got to take down an American hero. Who cares? Is it is it the Trump scalp? Well, let's get it. Let's just get it. It's it's really sick. And so when uh, President Trump had been holding off on the pardon, I think President Trump would have granted this pardon a long time ago. But General Flynn wanted the exoneration. Judge Sullivan refused to drop the charges. Of course, everybody knows that. And appointed a retired judge to come in and advocate on behalf of the court, which almost unheard of, to say why the charges shouldn't have been dropped, which is ridiculous. Then uh, that case kept going forward, getting appealed and appealed. It was dragging out, dragging out, dragging out. And Judge Sullivan, rather than handle his defeats at the appellate and, and federal court levels, he decided, well, we got to have more hearings on this. And he scheduled them. And then he scheduled, he delayed them. And he delayed them past January 20th. Just coincidentally, I'm sure. It was, you know, just a technical oversight hoping that Donald Trump wouldn't be president after then. Well, Donald Trump looked at that and said, this is this is enough. While I still can, who knows what will happen before January 20th, but while I still can, I'm going to grant the pardon. And so General Flynn is free. Yet there are leftists out there who are wildly unhappy. One MSNBC legal analyst, MSNBC and NBC News legal analyst. It's the whole cable news world is so incestuous so former federal prosecutor under barack obama of course he's advocating for judge sullivan to demand that the lawyers from the justice department come in and explain to him how this pardon is not corrupt now he he posted a 10 minute video on youtube yesterday i'm not going to bore you with it but i watched it and i was like well what is what is the justification for some lawyer some former federal prosecutor some cable news talking head what is it that uh, he says that is so wrong about this and all he does is repeat the word corrupt about 150 times every third sentence has the word corrupt in it's corrupt pardon corrupt this trump's corruption corruption you notice that the left never actually says what it was we had the caller earlier what was it that donald trump did that you didn't like there was no i didn't care for his tax cuts or anything like that. there was no substantive not to pick on that guy but you ask any liberal who has trump tourettes where they just freak out trump ask them what trump did what does he do that's so bad they don't have an answer for you what did he do how is he a threat to democracy how is it that how is he hitler how is this having they don't have an answer. It's just, well, Trump. Trump's bad. Trump's corrupt. He's making himself rich off of the White House. Really? His net worth is going down. Well, uh, But still, you eventually get to the point where they just give you the yeah, but still defense, which is nothing. It means they give up 
but it doesn't matter. They know that they don't have an answer, and they don't care. That's essentially the yeah, but still argument that they engage in. So after the pardon of Michael Flynn, the cable news world went absolutely berserk, as they do. Mara Gay is a member of the New York Times editorial board. She was on MSNBC talking about this. And you want to talk about Unhinged. This is a, the editorial board. This sets the tone for the paper. This is the paper's, you know, they, she's got a vote on the paper's official position on things. And they, they write their official position on there. She uses MLK to make a Nazi comparison. I, I'm not even kidding. Cut four. Go ahead. We got cut four? No, we don't have cut four. She, she, remember, MLK said that everything that happened in Nazi Germany was legal. And that is the explanation and the way things are in the Trump administration. Talking about the pardon of General Flynn. Now, General if you believe everything about General Flynn, if you believe it all, his crime, in quotes, was lying to FBI officers, FBI officials, FBI agents. That's it. That was it. Now, you shouldn't lie to FBI agents, but those FBI agents did not believe that he had lied to them at first. And yet for that, they want him to go to prison. They've already ruined him. They've already forced the sale of his home. They've already threatened his son to get the guilty plea. And the left wants him to rot in prison. Now, what was his sin again? His sin was working for Donald Trump. That's enough. And that sin is going to follow everybody who worked for Donald Trump. Now, you remember the Clinton-Bush years, right? It goes, Bill Clinton to George W. Bush. What did George W. Bush do? And this is kind of the way things go. You want to talk about norms. George W. Bush comes in. There's a lot of weird things going on in the Clinton administration. It wasn't just Monica Lewinsky. There was, remember, the China fundraising? Remember Al Gore went to a Buddhist monk, out, uh, a monastery out in California, came away with $200,000 from Chinese monks who took a vow of poverty? Gee, where did that money come from? We had uh, actually people, Chinese citizens, fleeing the country. They still haven't returned. Who were the ones who were the bag men for the Chinese communists? Seems like kind of a big deal. George Bush comes in. George Bush is a very old school politician. He says, we're going to look forward and not backwards. And everybody in the Clinton administration said, Mark Rich bought his pardon. That's all right. We're not going to look into that. We're not going to look into anything. That big donation to the Clinton Library, no big deal. The Clintons were good and good to go. Then Barack Obama comes in. What did Barack Obama promise to do? He wanted to go after people who'd done things in the war on terror during the Bush administration. You, you poured water up Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's nose. That's it. You got to spend the rest of your life in prison. You're a monster. Oh, really? A poor guy. He's only the mastermind behind 9-11, and you poured a, a water up his nose. Poor dear. So uh, I forget who it was, but somebody in the CIA destroyed the tapes. Destroyed the tapes, which, God bless him. Thanks for doing that. 
the Obama set the tone that they were not going to play by the old rules. Again, there was no, oh my goodness, Barack Obama is breaking the norms. There was no concern about that whatsoever. So it would not, and then, of course, the transition with Trump. They were spying on the Trump campaign. They were spying on the Trump transition team. They kept that apparatus in place to spy on the Trump administration and try and frame up the Trump administration. One thing they haven't done is prove any actual crimes. They've alleged all of them. But they haven't proven any of them. So why should we expect them to be different if Joe Biden ends up in the White House? Why would we expect them? People who, to this day, if you mention the name Ronald Reagan, will spit on the ground and go, oh, he was the worst. It just this really visceral, angry response to a guy's existence who died almost 20 years ago, hadn't been president for 30 years. You mention Ronald Reagan and they just go crazy over it. Trump is going to supplant that. So anybody who worked for Donald Trump is probably going to have to spend the rest of their adult lives looking over their shoulders. When you have an attorney general in the state of New York who ran on the promise that I am going to investigate all of Trump's businesses, all the Trump children, anybody named Trump, anybody who plays Euchre, and anybody who ever was involved with Trump businesses. We're going to see if they did anything wrong. That is... That is Banana Republic stuff. We'll find out if you broke the law. But normally investigations require an allegation of law-breaking. Of course, she won in New York. She's a hero of the left. So Matt Gates the other day, congressman from Florida, came up with an idea. This is going to be cut 15. president needs to just basically pardon everybody preemptively. Um, I think there might be some merit to this cut 15 go ahead should pardon michael flynn he should pardon the thanksgiving turkey he should pardon everyone from himself to his administration officials to joe exotic if he has to because you see from the radical left a bloodlust that will only be quenched if they come after the people who worked so hard to animate the trump administration with the policies and the vigor and the effectiveness that delivered for the american people yeah. and so i think that the president ought to wield that pardon power effectively and robustly it's kind of a fun idea I like it, but I have a suggestion Suggestion for you, Mr. President, if you're listening. Not only should you issue blanket pardons to pretty much everybody in your administration just for fun, you should all, the left will go berserk and say, this is an admission of guilt. They do that every day. They do that with Michael Flynn, even though he's not guilty. This is an admission of guilt. If he accepts the pardon. It's an admission of guilt. Just for fun. Just for, hear me out. The president should also pardon Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, uh, James Comey, Brennan, uh, all of them, every single one of them, issue a blank sort of pardon for their crime. Actually, very, very specific in the crimes for spying on this, uh, violating the Fourth Amendment. Issue those pardons. They're not going to be prosecuted anyway. I know everybody's holding out hope for Durham, but that's that horse ain't going to hunt. So pardon them all. Throw them all pardons out there. Put them on the defensive. Neuter the idea that accepting a pardon or getting pardon means an admission of guilt and throw it right back in their faces and you can put any declaration next to the pardon you want as you sign it. Put it in there for the crime of this, that, and the other thing. I offer a full pardon to Peter Strzok. How fun would that be? Watching these people squirm. Uh, No, I didn't do it. What? 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 Yeah. Welcome to the party, pal. We'll be right back. You're listening to the EIB Network. 
Welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I am Derek Hunter sitting in for Rush, who will be back on Monday. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Rush, the institution, will be back. And one institution that understands and shares the true story of Thanksgiving in this nation is Hillsdale College. It's a college that Rush is especially proud to speak of. This Thanksgiving season, our friends at Hillsdale College are taking time to appreciate their blessings. The faculty and staff at Hillsdale are thankful that you are standing with them again this year, and that many of you have chosen to participate in their teaching. This year, they have put a substantial effort into the various online video courses and their publications, and every one of them is free to watch and read, thanks to Hillsdale's many supporters. They don't take your time and attention for granted. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held true to its mission to provide the education essential to preserving free government. It ain't easy, as we are learning. Now, you've seen and heard what they've created in the last decade to best provide that kind of education to you, as well as to those attending their classes and lectures. You, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. That independence is what allows Hillsdale a freedom to focus on its core purposes learning, character, faith, and freedom without interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. From them to you, thank you. And to learn more about Hillsdale College, you can always visit RushForHillsdale.com. In fact, that's where you go to sign up for the free online courses and they are free with no strings attached it's rush for hillsdale.com yes rush rush will be back here on uh, on monday i grew up in michigan i knew all about hillsdale wish i could have gone there it's open line friday let's get some phone calls in here Vern in baltimore has been very patient thank you for holding Vern. hey Derek. you're doing great by the way thank you um Nervous you're, still, you're, but you're, you're you're the first person to mention the, uh, the hypocrisy of the AOC and pull yourself up by your bootstraps analogy, from a failed bartender to a super famous and soon to be mega millionaire. Right, you're going to write a book. It'll probably be illiterate, but it'll sell a million copies. It's coming. I uh, know it'll be and, a coloring book. Yeah, America sucks, and you don't have a chance. That should be the title. That really is their message. It's Barack Obama's message. It's Elizabeth Warren's Elizabeth Warren, when she grew up on a reservation somewhere in Oklahoma, and now she's a multi-millionaire United States senator. Barack Obama grew up with two parents, neither of whom wanted anything to do with him, thrown off on the grandkids or on the grandparents, and he ends up going to three of the most elite colleges in the country in the world and becomes president of the United States, and he's going to tell you the system is rigged against you. What is it? They just think they're so special, Vern. That's the thing. They only think they can only in America, that. right? Yeah, that's the beauty of America, and that's kind of what they want to destroy. I, I just don't have much care or respect for people who gleefully climb the ladder of success and then pull it up behind them, and that's the way I view Democrats. Vern, thank you for the phone call. we got to take a break here as it winds down to the Rush Limbaugh Show. Derek Hunter filling in. We'll be right back. You're listening to the EIB Network. Wait till the midnight hour. Man, the time really does just fly. I guess the terror of white-knuckling for three hours behind the golden EIB microphone. 
really makes time fly. I am Derek Hunter. You can find me on Twitter at Derek A. Hunter, D-E-R-E-K, the way the name was meant to be spelled. Don't forget to follow Rush while you're out there at Real R Limbaugh on Twitter. He's just about half a million followers ahead of me. I shall catch him. Uh, I have a daily show on WCBM in Baltimore from 9 until noon. Um, check that out. The Derek Hunter podcast is a completely different entity where you can find me five days a week on iTunes or whatever. My book, Outrage Incorporated, How the Liberal Mob Ruins Science, Journalism, and Hollywood, is available for your your bathroom reading now. I want to thank a lot of people. I want to thank Rush first and foremost. It's amazing that uh, he didn't poo-poo this idea. I want to thank his brother, David, who's a good friend. I want to thank Bo Snurdly, James Golden, for trusting me enough with this. I want to thank Connie and Liz for pushing James into listening to me. I want to thank everybody who ever got me into radio. I want to thank WCBM. Uh, I want to thank my dad. Love you, Dad. My mom. Miss you, Mom. Have a great weekend. Rush will be back here on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.